I don't know if you watch TV. Uh, people put commercials on there, try to influence us in various ways. Uh, a few years ago during the Super Bowl, there was a, uh, there was a TV commercial, a uh, couple of them that kind of struck me, and one of those was there was a guy in a convenience store, and he was holding his cell phone, talking with a friend of his on the cell phone, and he said into the phone, you got robbed. Now, he wasn't talking to the clerks behind the counter, but they thought he was. And all of a sudden, they squirt him with pepper spray, and they start beating him with a ball bat, and they stick him with a cattle prod. And, uh, and so it was a case of misunderstanding. Uh, they, they were influenced by what they heard, but what they heard was taken out of context. There's another... Uh, commercial where there's a guy's home he's obviously making dinner for his wife and he's cutting up vegetables with a large knife and he's got tomato sauce you see boiling on the stove and all of a sudden a white cat jumps up on the counter and the cat knocks the tomato sauce off and then falls on the floor and gets all covered in the tomato sauce and so he bends over to pick the cat up out of the tomato sauce carrying this large butcher knife and about that time his wife walks in the door of course she screams thinking that you know he's done something to the cat uh, different ways we're influenced sometimes by what we see and not necessarily what we hear we can be influenced by a lot of things there was a, a beautiful hoax portrayed by a young elementary age boy as he uh, uh, did a science fair project and in this project he set up a petition against a chemical a well-known chemical uh, dihydrogen monoxide and in this he gave facts that this chemical causes rust and corrosion it's been found in tumors taken out of cancerous patients it's used as a solvent and used as a, a coolant and is used in the production of styrofoam. It's a fire retardant, he said. We should ban this chemical. And if you know anything about science, then you might know that dihydrogen uh, monoxide is H2O, which is water. So you see, sometimes we can be influenced in the wrong direction and that's what the boy set out to prove. We're always trying to be influenced by somebody in this day and age. In fact, there are now on social media, which by the way, uh, in our world we have 3.5 billion people that are on social media today. And there on social media, they are these social media influencers that are always trying to get you to change your mind on something. They try to leverage their knowledge and expertise and shape and mold our culture. Um, they build credibility through their posts online and their blogs that they put out. They impact our thoughts and feelings and responses. They generate a large following of enthusiastic, engaged people that pay close attention to their views. They promote all sorts of ideas and habits and products which they have so become a so-called expert uh, they blog and post about everything from politics to exercise to social issues to cooking fashion makeup and even religion 
and just about anything you can think of. Somebody said, what's the difference between a social media influencer and a philosophy major? Well, the philosophy major has to have a degree to do nothing. Um, and that's not entirely true. But the truth is we're, we're trying to be influenced by all kinds of people. And the real influence that should come into our lives should come from God's Holy Spirit. And last week we started a series on the Holy Spirit of God. We're calling it Life in the Spirit. And today we're, we're going to, to further our knowledge of the Holy Spirit and we're going to talk about having a spiritual mindset. A spiritual mindset. You know, as we said last week, and by the way, if you didn't see last week's sermon, you can find it on our website and you can pull that up and watch it. But we said last week you can resist the Holy Spirit. But what God wants you to do is open your mind up to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit take a part in guiding and directing your life. And that will change your mindset toward the world and toward God. And so we raise the question today, why is it beneficial to have a spiritual mindset? You know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, Jesus called him the Spirit of Truth. And if we will open our minds to the leading and guiding of the Spirit, then we will find that we're going in the right direction. Now, if somebody comes to you and said, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and it's contrary to what the Scripture says, to the Word of God, then it wasn't the Holy Spirit. So we have to be careful about the voices that we listen to because the Holy Spirit will only lead you in things that are consistent with the Word of God. So we have to be careful. The Bible says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And Satan will try to trick you. He will try to get you off of God's path. But if we have a good relationship with God, then the Holy Spirit will be working and to help us with our mindset. I'd like for you to turn today to Romans chapter 8 again. We looked at the first four verses last week. This week we're going to look further in that chapter at what Paul writes uh, about the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Rome, he, uh, and inspired by God in what he wrote. And we're, we're going to see why we need the Holy Spirit to help us grow in the Word and to help us be led in the way that God wants us to go. In this passage today, the Apostle Paul talks about two paths that we can go by. And we're going we're to learn about this, these two paths and why we should go the way God wants us to go. Look at verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now let's stop there for a minute. You see, we have a choice. We can live by the flesh or we can live by the Spirit. There's a contrast. Now the Holy Spirit won't force you, as I said, you can even resist Him. Galatians 5.17 says, The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that 
that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, the Spirit tries to lead us in the way of God. The flesh, if we follow the flesh, then we will go the way opposite of God. And so Paul uses these terms sort of symbolically to help us understand the paths that we can choose or the paths that we should choose to go on. Now look at verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot submit to God's law, nor can it, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So, we have this choice. So let's think about the life in the flesh is focused on worldly desires. You know, when it uses that term flesh, the term literally means the, the human body or a, a body of an animal. It has to do with the skin and the, and the meat on the bones. It is the, it's the physical being. But in the first century, symbolically, it was used to talk about the sin nature. It was used to talk about the worldly ways of people, the, the, the worldly mindset, the ungodly mindset. Ephesians 2, 3 says, All of us also lived at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We were by nature deserving of wrath. When we talk about this flesh, these fleshly desires, the Bible says of them they are worldly, they are harmful, they are foolish, they are sinful, they are lustful, they are ungodly, they are sensual, they are deceitful, they are certainly evil. And anything outside the will of God is evil. Satan tries to get you to buy into the idea to live by the flesh. That is, whatever you desire. Do whatever's right for you, whatever's good for you. That's what Satan did all the way back in the Garden of Eden. You go back, and of course, in, in Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent appears, we learn later in the Bible that serpent was Satan. And he asked Eve, he says, Did God really say to you, don't eat from the tree, in the, from any tree in the garden? You see, he's already twisting things. But Eve knew the right answer to that. She said, No. He, he didn't say don't eat from any tree. He just said don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, which we know is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan says, ah, oh, you can eat from that. He just said I want you to eat from that because if you eat from that, then uh, you, will, uh, you will not certainly die and uh, you will, your mind will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that's certainly a half-truth. They would be like God, not totally. They would be like God in, yes, now they would know good and evil and not just know about it, but they would know it because they had participated in it. They had done what God told them not to do. You see, what Eve's problem was is she was looking for pleasure for herself. She was not looking to please God. That's part of what living in the flesh is. And this text tells us that, first of all, leads to death. 
first part of verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. You know, you can follow worldly desires if you want to. God gives us that choice. But that means you're not following Christ. You have no faith in Christ. And if you don't have no faith in Christ, you're not forgiven, and you are certain to have a spiritual death. Without Christ, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It also leads you, it goes against God's will. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law. You know, if, you, if you're led by the flesh, then there's no real concern for the things of God, the things of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, whoever is not with me is against me. And so if we're not with Christ, if we're not following Christ, if we're not aligned and all in with Christ, then we are going the way of the flesh. It goes on to say, it does not please God. Verse 8, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world, which is talking about the way of the flesh, the, the sinful nature, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And it's not the will of God to live by the flesh. It is to live by the Spirit. You know, in the book of, uh, of Hebrews, verse 11, 25, says that we can seek the fleeting pleasures of sin. You, you can have some fun sinning for a time, for a season, for a little while. It can bring pleasure into your life. But that sin, that pleasure won't last. Eventually it's going to turn around. Eventually it's going to come to cause some kind of problem. It can take you away from God. It gets in the way of your relationship with God. Now, it's okay to enjoy the things of this world to a certain extent. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, commands those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, there are things in this world, it's okay for us to enjoy the things of this world in the right context. God has given us everything, it says, for our enjoyment. We are free in Christ, but we're not free to sin. The Bible tells us not to indulge the sinful nature. And the key to this is that we put God first. That He is the leader of our life. And when we put God first, it goes all the way back to the first of the Ten Commandments, Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. But look at what Romans 8, 8 says. Those who live in the realm of the flesh 
cannot please God. So we want to stay away from the realm of the flesh. But we can live, we can choose that life, life in the flesh, focused on the world desires. But this is what God prefers, the life in the spirit, which is focused on godly desires. You see, when we're in Christ, we have this spirit that lives inside of us. That spirit comes to guide and direct. Verse 6, he talks about the mind governed by the spirit. So we'll pay attention to the leading of the Spirit, that Holy Spirit that works in conjunction with the Word of God to help guide us and lead us and convict us and even show us when we're following the way of God. And the more we seek God, the more the Spirit will work and the more we will find and know God. And that leads to a healthy spiritual life. Verse 6 says, It is life and it is peace. It's the life that God desires for you. The life of faith in Jesus, where we strive to know Him, to follow Him. Now, it's not that we'll have a perfect life. That's why God gives us grace. But with this grace, we begin to grow. Titus 2.12 says this kind of life, this life of grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. It helps us to, to change, to grow, to mature. That true spiritual life, you know, it, it really will affect everything about your life. If you follow the way of the Spirit, it affects how you do family, it affects your physical being, it affects your finance, how you work, your social circles that you run in, your special interests that you deal with. And the Spirit wants to be involved in all of that. You know, it's amazing yet what the Spirit has done through the years. There was a major study done by a professor at uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Robert Woodbury, did a landmark study of countries where Victorian age missionaries went and took the gospel into Africa. Now, for years now, the current thinking in academic circles is that Christian missionaries destroyed the local cultures, that they destroyed their religions and overall were a bad thing wherever they went. But Woodbury did this major study of both areas where Christians went in and where they didn't go in. And when he went in and found, what he found was that the economic, the educational, the medical, the family relationships, and other markers in these countries were missionaries had gone. These countries were most successful of all the African countries in all these areas. In other words, Jesus Christ had an impact for the good on all of these, uh, these African countries. But, he also found the converse was true. Where missionaries did not go into these African countries, in current living conditions today, they are racked by chaos, financial instability, poor health care, and other negative markers. In other words, Jesus Christ changed things for these people. It will affect your life. It also says that 
is life and it is peace. It brings peace with God. You know, there is a tremendous amount of peace in knowing that you're saved by Jesus Christ. In knowing that no matter what happens in this life, you have the comfort of knowing you're going to a better life when you leave this earth. There's no greater peace than knowing that Jesus is on your side, that he's for you. 1 John 5, 13 says, These are written for those who believe that they might know that they have eternal life. Also, it's the only way to please God. Verse 8 says, As I read, in the flesh you cannot please God. The converse is true. In the Spirit, you can please God. In fact, it's the only way to please God. God loves everybody. God is displeased by those who do not accept His Son, whom He gave as a sacrifice for us, that we might have the true life that He wants for us. It disappoints Him. It's not pleasing to Him for those who reject Jesus Christ. And that spirit begins to work as we accept Christ. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. None of us will ever be perfect on this life. We're all going to fall short sometimes. We're human. We are weak. Now, I heard about a guy that went into a store to buy a blouse for his wife for Mother's Day, which this is my subtle reminder, guys. Mother's Day is next week. Go to the store, buy your wife a blouse or something that she wants. But this particular blouse had a label on the inside, and it said shrink resistant. Shrink resistant. So he asked the clerk, what does that mean? And the clerk said, well, it will shrink, but it doesn't want to. So buy a half a size more. We're like that blouse, though, sometimes. We will sin, but we don't want to. But God is working in us to help us. And that Spirit helps us overcome the sin. And God's grace is greater than our sin. He forgives you when you sin. And His power, this Holy Spirit, can work in you to help you to overcome. So think about these two paths now. You have one path to follow the way of the flesh and worldly desires. You have another path to follow the way of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit and, and follow godly desires. I remember the old rock and roll song years ago, that one of my favorites, Stairway to Heaven. There's a line in that song that says, Yes, there are two paths you can go by. And in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. So if you have not bought into Christ and the Holy Spirit of Christ leading your life, there's still time to change the road you're on. Now look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So what I want you to see next is that the spirit lives in those who belong to Christ. I like the different ways he names him here. The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. As you follow the spirit's leading and follow the Word of God, they work together, and you come to know Christ, and you seek the way that the Spirit is leading, and it begins to change your mind. It begins to bring conviction where you're wrong. It begins to bring confirmation where you are going the right direction. It will help you discern what is good and what is true and what is best and you begin to develop this spiritual mindset that we're talking about. And it's all contingent on having the Spirit of God working in you and you seeking to go the way of the Spirit. Tom Ellsworth is a Christian minister. He talks about a time when his sister was sick, and so he called to check on his sister. Her little 10-year-old girl, his niece, answered the phone, Hello, she said. Hello, she whispered. He said, hello, is your mother home? She recognized his voice. Yes, uncle, she's home. Well, can I speak to her? No, she's asleep. And then he said, well, did she go to the doctor? Yes, she went to the doctor and she got some medicine. He said, well, is she feeling better? Well, she's still asleep. He said, okay, we'll tell her I called and that I'll call and talk to her later and check on her. Okay. He said, by the way, how are you doing and what are you doing? She said, I'm okay. I'm practicing my trumpet. <laughs> you know, sometimes God speaks to us like a trumpet. He does. We can read something in the Word of God and it'll just zap us and we'll say, whoa. That, that message is for me. But I want to tell you, I think most often God speaks to us in a whisper through the Holy Spirit that he nudges and he tries to guide us and direct us. That Spirit is in you if you believe in Christ. And he's trying to, he's trying to move you in the direction that God wants you to go in all of your life. So listen for the whisper that God has to guide and direct you. And then Romans 8, 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. 
You see, here's our connection today, that living by the Spirit of God includes us in the family of God. It says there we have an obligation. If we've committed our life to Christ, we're obliged to Him to follow the way of the Spirit, to let the Spirit lead our lives. It's part of God's transformation process to help us grow. It says in the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. It also mentions being slaves here. Before Christ, we are slaves to sin. Sin controls our life. The way of the world controls our life. And we're slaves to that way. But in Christ and through the Spirit, we become part of the family of God. We can cry, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term. It's used sort of like our term today, Daddy or Papa. It's a term of endearment to where we can, we can call God our Father. And we are part of His family. I know that many people say, well, isn't everybody part of God's family? No. Now, the Bible does say, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Little children are innocent, but there's a point when you're no longer innocent, when you reach an age of accountability, which is different, different maturity levels for each child. But there comes a point when they have to make a decision. Am I going to follow the way of the flesh or am I going to follow the way of the Spirit? That's why they need to be in church. They need to be learning. And thank goodness, did you hear Jeremiah? Our children's department is growing. But there comes that point of accountability when you, each of us, has to decide, am I going to follow the way of the Spirit or am I going to follow the way of the flesh? Am I going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I going to confess Him as my Lord and Savior? Am I going to repent? Am I going to be baptized into Christ? And if so, I will receive that Spirit to begin to work in me. And you know what? God's rooting for you. I don't care how bad of a sinner you are or how far you are from God. He's pulling for you. In fact, the Scripture says in 1 Timothy 2.4, God wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And God's rooting for you. Wayne Cadero pastors in Honolulu, Hawaii. What a wonderful assignment. But out there, he, he tells about a time when he was younger, and he went to his daughter's school. They had a Christmas program, and there were three-year-olds. It was preschool. And you can imagine 50 or so preschoolers up on the risers, up on the stage in this little school gym. They were packed in, parents everywhere. It was stuffy and you couldn't breathe. And here these kids are all lined up on these risers, fidgeting with each other. Uh, the teacher, God bless her, she was, she was leading the kids. She had an old small guitar with plastic strings on it. Uh, it probably hadn't been used. It still had dust from last Christmas. And uh, uh, Wayne says, you know, uh, it probably hadn't been tuned since last Christmas either. And she was trying to lead these kids to sing Joy to the World. Well, they're fidgeting and waving at mom and dad, and the teacher starts singing the song, and about three of the kids were singing. The rest were either scared stiff. Uh, one little boy started to fall off the top 
step of the risers and he took three others with him and they were rustling around trying to climb back on the risers and here they are singing joy to the world mostly the teacher and it, it was utter chaos but when they finished Wayne said he jumped up as did every other parent in that place and gave those kids a standing ovation there were hoops and hollers and kids running to get mama because they were scared to death and Wayne said you know as, as it ended it was so stuffy I had to go outside and get some fresh air and I thought to myself as I walked outside we just gave a standing ovation to the worst performance in the history of performances it was absolutely horrible and he said he began to think why did we do that it wasn't because of the great performance it was because of the relationship. I gave a standing ovation because I love that little three-year-old girl that was on that stage. And God looks down at you. And God loves you. And he is doing everything in his power to draw you to him. He sent his son to die on a cross so that you could be saved and receive his spirit and he sent his spirit to lead you and guide you so that you won't be like those little three-year-olds falling off the risers and that you can sing joy to the world the Lord has come and he's come for you and he wants you let's pray God we do thank you today for your Holy Spirit. Lord, you, you sent Jesus to gain, bring us forgiveness of sins. You sent the Spirit to guide us and to help us overcome the things of this world. Now help us, Father, to do our part and to seek the leading of the Spirit and get into your Word so that that Spirit will guide us and direct us in the way that you want us to go. Help us to overcome the ways of the flesh, the ways of the world, that we might walk in the ways that you have preordained for us, that we might truly be your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.